Hello and welcome to Clever Women Co, a podcast for women to join the conversation about business, career and entrepreneurship. I'm Gal Kron and I'm joined by my business bestie and co-host M Kaplan. Hello Gal. Hello. On today's show, we chat to Natasia Nicolau, the founder and CEO of Australia's first ever waterless beauty brand, Conserving Beauty. Having worked in the beauty industry for almost 10 years, Natasia has seen it all. Well, actually, not all, because in her decade of work, she's never seen a single waterless skincare brand. Speaking of water, it was when she was in the shower one day that she decided to change that. Natasia noticed that so many skincare brands were using water as the key ingredient in their products. But why? In topical form, it provides no real skincare benefit, yet some products contain 70 to 90% water. So with her science degree, plus experience working in supply chain, product development and ethical sourcing, she ventured out on her own. In 2021, and at the age of just 27, Natasia launched Conserving Beauty, starting with a makeup wipe that literally dissolves into nothing, leaving no trace. Honestly though, she'll tell you all about it much better than we will, so we'll shut up now. <laughs> Natasia, welcome to the pod. That is like the nicest intro I have ever listened to. <laughs> oh my god. Thanks guys. Glad Thanks for having me. Thanks I'm for excited. being here. How You're exciting. Kidding? I've been following you guys on TikTok for so long. Likewise. Love what you're doing. Love Thank what you. Stand you. For. I was just saying before we jumped on that I was exposed to the makeup wipe before I even knew who you were. And that's how famous that makeup wipe is. I know. Right? I'm, still, I'm still blown away by that, by the way. I get so it's excited incredible. when anyone knows about either the brand or the product. And they're like, it's I've so seen it. I've loved it. I've heard mm. it's great. Like, that to me fills my bucket. Before we kind of start the chat, we always like asking guests, what are you watching, listening to, or reading? Ooh, very topical, actually. Uh, I'm watching The Idol at the moment. It's one of those things where I'm like, I can't stop watching it mm. because I've got to know what happens, even in the cringe bits or even in the moments where I'm like, oh, I don't yeah, know if this is okay. I've had some interesting discourse. Yeah, it's about very it controversial. Yeah. Lily Rose Depp, though. She's amazing. I must amazing. say, she is a phenomenal actress. I yeah. feel like I'm watching it. She's for just her. like on another level. Yeah, she's right? great. If The Weeknd wasn't in it, it would be probably a phenomenal mm. 10 out of 10. Why? But, um, what's, what's wrong with The Weeknd? No, he's just, I mean, I don't know why. He, he think his think character just gives me the ick. Oh, his storyline gives me the ick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like everyone else on the show is like, maybe he should stick to music. I probably shouldn't be saying I did love his music though. <laughs> yeah, the love weekend. his music. Amazing artist. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm watching The Idol at the moment. Um, loving that. And what am I reading at the moment? Honestly, you'll laugh because this is so, it's such a boring answer, but I'm reading like financial reports because it's coming up to end of that's financial year. Awesome. That's such a timely. Lame, I mean, I think that's such a lame statement, no, isn't it? We love it. Always, always good to kind of get your financial literacy up to scratch. Yeah. And then podcasting, obviously I'm listening to yours. <laughs> you're too, oh, you're too you. kind. Yeah. Don't flatter us so much. <laughs> no, it's true. It's awesome. Thank you. That's that's really kind. Uh, so we'll get started. Task. Can task. we call you Task? Call me Task. Task. Were there any kind of pivotal moments in like your formative years that you mm. that led you to, you know, being interested in science to begin with? Totally. Like I think there's two things here. I feel like I was interested in science and then I was interested in like sustainability and social justice. Mm. My stepdad, who has been amazing, I've known him since I was six, he was a huge part of like my childhood and he was a nerd. I said that in the nicest love way. I love, love that. Nerd. And he was like engineer and he would always teach us to try and make things, try and innovate, try and create 
create things because that was very much his vibe in our school holidays. You know when most kids get to go to the movies and like live life and enjoy friendships and fun things. He gave my sister and I a homework book. Oh it was like God. a binder of like 500 pages thick and he would highlight in yellow the pages that we would have to complete by the time he got home to check because he was like you, your brain can't turn to mush you can't just be. That is incredible. How and they were always you? science. Um, That started in year five so I would have been what? Ten? I can't even. Did, were you and not- I did that all through till like I want to say like year nine. Wow. wow. Was that something that you enjoyed? No I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I was like. You made it sound no, like. No I didn't. I'm, no I'm I look this. back now and yeah. I go thank god he gave me those ridiculous yeah. homework books and I felt like it was always science and maths related. Yeah. And I guess I just really enjoyed numbers. I really liked science. I loved chemistry in particular because mm. it felt like maths. Doesn't it show you how pivotal those key moments are? Yeah, like I was young. In your life. I was so young. often I was we like have 14. a guest here, and they refer to parents, you know, as yes. someone who they looked up to or kind of pushed them in the right direction. Hundred percent. So you have this interest in science, and then yeah. you go on to study science at Deakin University. You guys have done your homework. Just a little. We've bit. done. I like this. <laughs> And then yes. what What came after that? So what came after okay. you finished uni? So while I was at uni, I had like multiple jobs. I ended up at ANZ okay. um, and I was working as a personal banker. So yeah. different, yeah. right? Like banking, boring. But I thought, what a cool job. And at the time it, it paid really well. So I was stoked to work at the bank. I was kind of finishing my degree and I was like, do I stick with ANZ? Do I do their grad program? I applied mm. for it. I thought, oh, I'm already kind of in this path. I don't like finance, but maybe it's a good career. I didn't really want to do it. And then an opportunity came up at Swiss. Do you guys know yeah. the, 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 yeah. the vitamin company? I mean, amazing business, amazing yeah. founding family. So there was a grad role going at Swiss for, they just wanted someone in like operations. And mm. I was like, what is operations? But I thought, hang on, I love health. I love wellness. I love beauty. And maybe I could get into the company and I could move into the science and research team because they were doing a lot of their own in-house research. They were doing all their product development. And I thought that's really cool. Maybe I'll go down that road. So I was like, I applied mm. thinking there's no way I'll get it. I don't even know the first thing about operations. Was very lucky to get the job. So I started at Swiss the week before I finished my uni exams. Mm. So when I got in, they were like, yeah, you start in operations, like your science background, you want to get into product development, we'll help you kind of get there essentially. Yeah, really opened the door. It totally opened the door. But then I fell in love with supply chain, ethical sourcing, and the whole like bringing a product to life. Swiss Mm. did a lot of their own sourcing of ingredients from like farm gates all around the world. And that really taught me how to do sourcing properly, how ingredients don't really work on their own. They need to be like synergistically working together with the right ingredients. And I just thought this is a no brainer. And I loved visiting the manufacturing because they manufactured everything in Australia. Well, I said before that, we also Mm. saw, correct me if I'm wrong, they worked at Wellco. You guys, I love, I love this. I love this due diligence. So actually there was a step in between Welco. Oh, okay. So I was at Swiss for years and then Swiss sold to a huge conglomerate company overseas. Um, and I stayed on for a little bit longer, but then I was lucky enough to go with the founding family of Swiss mm. to set up their own private equity fund. So I was like one of five people from Swiss. We all went together. We set up this fund and they were like, come on the journey with us. We're going to back the next wave of really cool founders in beauty and wellness. And at that time, I very much wanted to do my own thing. Mm. And so I thought, oh, this is a smart move for me because I'll get to learn startup. I know nothing about that. I've only worked in a bigger kind of company and I'll be exposed to things like financial modeling, business planning, You're marketing, so sales. Thinking. Yeah, I was thinking that the whole very time. So. But equally so were they. They were like, we know you want to do your own thing. They saw it in you. Yeah, and they were very good to me. And it was it was almost like, I want to say an accelerator mm. on how to run a business 101. And so I was with them for five years. And basically what I would do 
for them is I would go and do like secondment work for the businesses that they invested in. And I would go in and either help fix their supply chain, try and get their IP ownership of their formulations because a lot of brands don't have that background and they're always led by marketers. So they don't necessarily have a lot of like the due diligence on product, which is fine because, you know, everyone plays to their strength. Mm. And so, yeah, I did so many secondments for all their brands and one of their brands was Welco. Mm. And then I ended up taking a longer term job with them for, oh, I want to say two years and I ended up heading up sales coincidentally. So random. Wow, but so it's you're so really good. getting like all, like you're yes. really touching. I was touching everything and like I think business. totally and like if you're working in startup or small business mm. in general, you become a generalist because yeah. you have to be good at everything and yeah. you can't be like, no, that's my niche. I'm yeah. only doing supply chain. No, I had to do Yeah, you need to survive whatever. that way as well. Exactly. And I loved it. I love being a generalist. I still do. Like even if I wasn't running Conserving Beauty, there is no way I could work for a big business ever again because I feel like I'm a startup gal or a small biz kind yeah. of girl. So how does then Conserving Beauty come to be? I toyed around with ideas for, I want to say four years before Conserving Beauty. They were always beauty related, by the way, whether that was skincare, makeup, body care, hair care. I have had a lot of ideas. I even made samples of other products with that were completely different to conserving beauty and every time i was like nope it's not special enough it's not unique enough there's no real innovation it's something that someone else could launch tomorrow and for Mm. me i really wanted something that was exciting so that was where i started being like nope sustainability so much greenwashing there's got to be something done better here and i was like until i find a way to merge the two beautifully i'm not doing it and so i stuck on my journey with like the fund and i actually thought at one point do i stick with the fund do i even want to do my own thing I can't think of a good enough idea Mm. and there's no point doing it unless my idea is amazing and then you have the self-doubt and then I thought oh maybe I'll move overseas and do something with this and then COVID hit start of when did that happen start of March 2020 yeah March 2020 but I had started working on ideas for conserving beauty maybe like Jan and I started to go back to the drawing board my very first thing I was like I'm going to map a product life cycle from start to finish I'm going to look at the supply chain. I'm going to work out how do I make a positive impact to the planet? That was the original thinking. And when I mapped a whole product life cycle from start to finish, meaning when we grow ingredients, harvest, extract, process, manufacture, transport, produce packaging, whatever, you name it, I mapped it. And when I'm looking at this, I'm like, hang on, everybody talks about what we're left with, which is packaging, because it's the tangible thing that Mm. people can see in their hands. And rightfully so. Consumers are like, waste is a huge problem. Plastic is a huge problem. Both of those things are absolutely correct. And I just kept thinking, well, hang on, what about the 30 things that happen in the Mm. supply chain before we even get to the packaging where we've had a huge impact? We're using so many resources. We're using thousands of liters of water. We're creating so much carbon and so much wastage in the process. And why is nobody looking at that? Why are Mm. we only looking at the end result? And then I was kind of marinating, went into the shower. Very good (laughs) pickup. I don't know how you know that. I feel like not many people know that. (laughs) (laughs) went into the shower I'm then in the shower you know when you're in the shower sometimes thinking you like read products Mm, because you're bored but I'm like everything says water everything says aqua pick up any product it always says water first and I'm like I know this because I've worked in product development for years Mm. and I know that the way that people usually formulate if they're not a scientist or they don't have that background is they go I want to launch a moisturizer. I want it to have kakadu plum in it. I want to say it's vitamin C and I want these six marketing claims. And then the formulator goes, yep, here's a base moisturizer. It's mostly made up of water and preservatives because if there's water, you need preservatives because bacteria Mm -hmm. is going to grow. 
let's add in a fragrance, let's add some sprinkle of kakadu plum, and then boom, here's your moisturizer. That's how people mm. usually formulate. Mm. That's just the ethos. And I'm like, hang on, why do we need water inside products? What if we took it out? What if we did anhydrous formulations, which is waterless, and we just give people 100% of the benefits of like the actual really potent ingredients? And I'm in the shower thinking all this. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh my God, do you remember when we used all time showers? Did you guys grow mm, yeah. up in the, the era? Yeah, of- yeah, yeah. During water, like strict water. Absolutely. Australia's had so many And then you had to change your like um, yes. shower head. The shower yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. And so I've always been a short showerer just because of habit, because we used mm. to always time showers. Like I'm like a get in, get out girl. Yeah. This story doesn't sound like I was getting in, getting out, but my, <laughs> my brain operates quick. <laughs> so this was quick. And I'm like, hang on. Why, did, was no, why is nobody talking about water? Why is nobody talking about the water crisis anymore? Do we not have one? So then I'm thinking, mm. oh, maybe there's no water crisis because nobody talks about water. It just water, vanished. Right? <laughs> so then I like hop out the shower and I'm like, mm, there's something here, waterless. I go onto Google and I'm like Googling drought. I'm Googling like water shortages in the world. And then I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. The UN has published in 2018 that we're living in a water action decade, meaning we don't have enough water to sustain everybody on the earth because water is a finite resource. We have like a set amount of fresh water, which is the water that we can drink and the water that we need for products, etc. Mm. And all I kept thinking of is not only do we have a water shortage, but we use as a beauty industry so much water to produce these products, thousands and thousands of liters. Plus we add water as the main ingredient within mm. all of our products. But does it have to be there? Yes, mm. for some formulas, but not for others. And that was kind of the moment where I was mm. like, hang on, I want to innovate here and make waterless beauty products that are really great for our skin and ultimately save water for the planet. So that was the movement I Mm. wanted to be part of. And that was kind of how it started. So before I mentioned that I knew about the dissolving makeup wipe, the Instamelt Day Dissolver Wipes, I would love to know kind of how you came up with that idea. And then how do you create something like that? That Just for everyone listening, this is a makeup wipe that completely dissolves. It's cool. You can put it down the drain. You can flush it down the toilet. That's it. No No microplastics. No microplastics. It. You can. No traces. Got the theatrics. Tell us all yes. about this. How that happened. Okay, so I got introduced to this like med tech startup in the UK. They had formulated a fabric that dissolves in water. And they originally formulated it for healthcare reasons. Mm. So basically for things like uh, wound care and burn victims, mm. the idea was that this would replace dressings because it mm. takes so many hours to redress wounds. It's really painful for patients and it's obviously creates so much waste. And then on top of it, it's really labor intensive for our nurses and our doctors. Mm. So it's a really wonderful idea that you could bandage something up, go into the shower. It would dissolve. No microplastics. That's such that a genius, genius idea, incredible. right? Genius idea. And I was like, I've got to make this innovative. That is so cool. Yeah. What a brilliant idea. And the whole month. Brilliant. Well, brilliant. And the whole while, while I was thinking about it, I'm like, hang on. If it dissolves in water, it means that it would only be compatible with waterless formulations Mm. and so i was like imagine if you took that ip and the technology and you somehow worked a way to infuse ingredients into the fabric Mm. and then you could create things that are single use so things like cleansing wipes and sheet masks and under eye Mm. masks and body mitts and there's a million other variety of applications you could use it for and then they would dissolve and no waste no microplastics Mm. you're laughing i'm like to me this would be the ultimate dream so i meet them thinking maybe i can convince them to let me like 
like share the IP for the fabric. When I first met them, they were originally like, sorry, we're actually talking to one of your, the biggest conglomerates in beauty and Ooh. we don't think it's going to be a happening thing, but I love your story. I love your brand. I love that you care about innovation and the planet. I love that you're a scientist. I was like, okay, no problem. Let's keep, let's keep in conversation because either way I love what you're doing and you know, we kind of really hit it off, the founder and I. And so he went away. I went away. I came back to him with some like really cool ideas. I was like, imagine if we did this, 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 this. He came back and he was like, you know what? Let's get on a call. I love your progressiveness and I love how quickly you're thinking about things. And then we met on another call and he's like, you know what? I'm actually really sick of the conglomerate. Their lawyers are driving me insane. All they care about is money and mm. all they want to talk about is money. And nobody's actually talking about the product. Nobody's talking about innovation. And they actually said it's going to take them years to lab tech to bring it to life because they're just slow movers. Yeah. He's like, so I don't care. Let's do it with you exclusively for beauty and personal care. Wow. You have the rights to our patent and you can do whatever you want with That's it. That's amazing. But he, he, Incredible. Saw, he saw that you He cared. backed it. He, he heard that you cared Because I wasn't about talking about anything space. to do with money. Yeah. I wasn't talking mm. about any commercial outcome. Like if it's a large conglomerate, all they care about That's is That's all they cared about. It's literally and so it kind of worked in my favor. Yeah. yeah. People, like business people would probably be thinking, you're an idiot. Why would you not bring up the commercials? I'm, think, I'm sitting there thinking, no, no, no. This is like innovation. This is going to change mm. the world. This is what the planet needs. This you're so a science girl. You're like, I right? I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Obsessed with I'm like, come on. And so we formed a beautiful partnership that took, I want to say, a year before we launched. And then I went straight into dev. So mm, we were, we wow. went through like so many iterations of our white. We went through so many iterations of formulas. We do so many ingredient testing, so much stability testing. We do tooling for a machine. And then later on after we launched, we ended up specking and creating our entire own machine, which is wow. very unusual to do that much R&D for a beauty mm, brand. Why so? Because most beauty brands are usually led by brilliant storytellers and marketers, right. which is so important. By the way, I've only, hired, on. I've only hired brilliant marketers and they're <laughs> all geniuses and you need them. But because they're usually led by marketers, they might not have had the kind of learnings and the experience of mm. knowing the R&D side of business. Yeah. And like, I don't think that they would probably prioritize investing money in R&D on the front end because they would probably rather invest it into marketing, yeah, so which was. makes sense to grow your brand, right? Yeah. What's R&D? Like research and development. Research and development, right. Yep, but so sorry. When I say R&D, I mean things like creating your own machinery, creating your own tooling, doing lots of testing, doing your own stability work. Most brands use a contract manufacturer, so do we, but they let the contract manufacturer lead all that. Right. And then so the IP sits with the contract manufacturer. Oh, okay. So they don't actually own their own formulations. It's very, very common. And even big brands that you're sitting there thinking, as if they don't own their IP. No, they, re they really don't. The, mm. the contract manufacturer does. And usually there's no way that a beauty brand would know the method of manufacture. So there's the ingredients and the IP of that. Then there's the IP around how you actually manufacture it. Because mm. just because you're going to sprinkle these ingredients together, it's not about that. It's the heating and the cooling of the temperatures between each process. It's how much pressure it goes under. It's what that you use and what. So there's a lot in it. And so if you're trying to move around to different manufacturers all around the world, it becomes hard for people that don't own their IP or method mm. of manufacture because it'll never come out the exact same right. that's why sometimes you'll see variations mm. if you buy say a product here versus if you buy it in america they might be using two different manufacturers yes. and they might not have the ip ownership right. to make them 100 percent the same and customers don't like that they say like no, the you u.s version is better exactly. than the australian version or, or people grow too quickly and they don't think about global formulations from the onset so like for example a lot of ingredients are banned in the uk that you can't use mm. but you could use them in australia so you might have this epic product that everyone in australia loves then you try and launch in the uk oh and you can't 
So then you have a different formulation for that market. And then all of a sudden you've got lots of different formulations in different markets and there's no continuity and it's not yeah, the same. Right. And I wanted to avoid all of that. You can really see that from all those years of experience, you're picking up so many pockets of knowledge totally. from all these industries, from all these roles that you were in. 100%. And you kind of brought them together to create the brand. Yes. And I'm sure that that manufacturer saw that in you as well. Oh, and definitely. that's why they believed in you. Definitely. And like so many of my suppliers did me solids and favors with even minimum order quantities and stuff mm. like that when I first launched because I'd built the relationships. And for me, I think the number one most important thing in business full stop is relationship management. If you can harness and cultivate amazing relationships with anyone you come into contact with, whether that's a supplier for manufacturing, some a content creator, an mm. influencer, whoever, you need to be creating really authentic great relationships because that's the stuff that actually ends up having the biggest impact Agreed. on your business totally. and, and you, never burn a bridge and you never know who, who you're going to meet like, you never know who knows anyone yeah. right like we could have 10 people mutual that we mm-hmm. know right now that i don't even know if they're mutuals i'm sure we do i'm sure we do <laughs> <laughs> Please, um, Tass, can you tell us about the process of getting your products into Mecca? Yeah. What did those like pitches, meetings, conversations, how did that, what did that look like? I wish I could show you the original pitch deck because it's so embarrassing. I actually recently showed Sage and my team and she was like, yeah, this is tragic. Oh my I feel God. like that's a common, that's a common theme though. Like Melanie yeah. Perkins. Yeah. yeah. She oh, shout first, out to Melanie. She's Shout amazing. out to Melanie. Shout out. She was actually our first episode. Incredible. Oh my God. My first pitch deck was terrible. Even the language I use. I'm like, I'm a non-marketer <laughs> trying to make it look cool. I'm like, oh, so tragic. <laughs> Since good. then, it's you know good. what? Thanks, Melanie. I've become a Canva queen. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I love that. Canva. I love Canva. Lifesaver. Um, so basically what happened was a year before I launched Direct-to-Consumer, I was barely told anyone what I was doing. So I was, you know, it's still early stages. I didn't want judgment. I didn't yeah. really know if I was going to commit to it. I didn't know if I was going to keep it as a side hustle or if mm. I was going to go full time. And it, you know, it's, it's overwhelming and you feel like it's showing your baby. But yeah, so I had, I had lots of mentors. I've been really lucky to have some really smart people around me throughout my whole career. And I've latched onto them. One of my mentors um, was a male. And so I showed him my original pitch deck, my business plan. I think I even took him lab samples at the time, not in the proper packaging. I was like, what do you think? I just want your thoughts. You've worked, you know, in the industry, you kind of know, what do you think? And he basically said to me in a very nice way, but it wasn't that nice. He's like, look, you know, if I'm just being brutally honest, cause I want to lay it to you straight. I was like, yeah, lay it to me straight. He's like, I just think you are not ready. You really need to find a co-founder. You really can't do this on your own. You're not a digital marketer and a salesperson. You're like a science operations person. I don't think you're going to know how to run a business. I don't know if anyone actually cares about sustainability. I think it's really topical, but customers truly don't care because they'll buy anything and burn down the planet if it gives them a really good result. And, you know, retailers aren't going to get behind sustainability. And I don't think it's premium enough. And like, for example, you've got in your business plan that your dream's going to be Mecca. There's no way Mecca's going to take a sustainable, waterless beauty brand. Like, it's just not going to happen. I think you should go back to the drawing board, rethink it, maybe get some more experience. You know, it's also, you know, recession kind of COVID times, shocking time to launch a business. Like it was just like, he and laid it on mentor. me hard, hard. He's, your mentor. he's my mentor. Meanwhile, I've been working on this at the point. So I'd worked on this for already a year. So yeah. I worked on it for two years. So I went to him about halfway. Mm. I worked on this for a year. I became obsessed. I did morning nights and weekends. And by the way, I did that for forever. So I'm giving this my everything, everything. and I'm exhausted, but I'm slaving, working my full-time job, doing this on the side, formulating, coming up. And I'm like, wow. I just remember leaving. I got in my car 
I called my partner and he's like, how'd it go? And I burst into tears because I was like, I just felt so crushed, so deflated. I was like, he hates it. I was like, oh my God, I'm a mess. What am I going to do? I've wasted a whole year of my life. And he was like, what are you talking about? He's like, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> he's like, pull yourself together. and like, let's work it out. And like, he's like, don't take one person as the general mm. consensus because one person's opinion is not everybody's opinion. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. And then after like a few days, I was like, you know what? He thinks I can't get into Mecca. I he thinks there's no pathway here. How about I go and ask them myself? That was literally like the motivation. So actually, bless him. Thank you so much for giving that sh- me that shocking advice. Because from that minute, I was like, I'm going to pitch to Mecca. And everyone's like, you can't pitch to Mecca. You don't even, you don't even launch. I was like, I don't need to. I'm going to go take lab samples. I'm going to take my pitch deck. I'm going to see if they would ever launch this brand at any given point. I just want to know it's got legs. I want to know that the biggest, coolest Australian beauty destination would eventually take my product. I just want to know what they think. Yeah. So I hustled my way. I was like, cool, I don't know one at Mecca. Um, I need to get someone to introduce me me because I knew that cold pitching to buy his emails never really works. Mm. Like, you know, Mecca, I think, I think the head buying for skincare told me they had like 850 brands pitched to them last year oh, and they launched wow. 11. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? Like that, just put that, put those numbers into context. I was like, I need a warm intro, just, yeah. just a little bit warm. So I'm like scouring LinkedIn. I'm trying to find mutuals of mutuals of mutuals. Anyway, three months later, found a mutual of a mutual that would maybe introduce me. So I begged the mutual to introduce me to the next mutual, pitched to him. He was like, fine, I'll introduce you to like the two I see. So mm. Joe's kind of right hand. Yeah. I go to this meeting. I'm thinking it's going to go for like an hour. I don't know. I was like ready with my PowerPoint slides. <laughs> you, you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I go to the meeting. She's, she's brilliant, by the way. She's, we sit down and she's like, right, time is the most precious thing we all have. So tell me a story. Tell me why you're doing this. And show me what what there is. So I, I love that. My, she was. I was like, what a boss. She's so cool. So I was like, right, this is my story, and it's waterless, and it's sustainability without the greenwashing. And I was just explaining it. And I was like, here's, you know, some mock samples of the product. And at the time, I had like mock prototypes with black lids and a different look and feel. She looked. I shouldn't say one word. She just looked up at me. And she goes, I love it. Now is the time for a brand like yours. But those lids and not you. Black lids are boring and you don't want to be another boring black lid on shelf. Your brand's fun, upbeat, has personality. Change the color of your lids. Wow. wow. And I was like, okay. She's like, maybe. She's going, she goes, I'm thinking yellow. And I was like, yellow. Oh my God. I love yellow. Because at the time I still had the blue and yellow carton. Like she kept that. She's like, I love the blue and yellow carton. Mm. And then a week later, I sent her an updated mock-up because I'm just a hustler with yellow lids. I like begged favors to get these <laughs> yellow lids. Of course I did. And I was like, you know, here's the yellow lids. You were so right. You're a genius. It looks amazing. And then they wrote back to me and were like, yep, this is great. Here, now meet the head of, you know, buying. And wow. basically... It's when they refer you to the next. It's when they like, refer me to the next. I was like, oh, this I'm is in. so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And then I got that boost of like, this is why I'm doing it. Not to get into Mecca. It was more just the validation that mm. my business mattered. And when she mm. said, now is the time for a brand like yours, it really hit home. I was like, that is what I truly believe. And so why am I letting one person's opinion yeah. holding me back from reaching the dream of this business? And I was like... Never again will I take one person's opinion Never as a grain again. of salt, ever. And yeah, we signed our contract before I even launched Direct to Consumer. We launched wow. Direct to Consumer and then maybe like four months later, we launched into Mecca. That wow. is so impressive. So cool, right? That is incredibly impressive. So Task the Conserving Beauty website lists some pretty notable names. Do they? Like Elle McPherson as board members. Shout out to Elle. Yes. Shout out to Elle. yes. Uh, so what does 
having a board actually look like in terms mm. of like getting advice, making decisions mm. and keeping the members updated. Totally. So normally if you've got a board of directors, especially if you've got investors, your board usually is your investors because they've put the money into you, they've mm. backed you. So they mm. usually want to be around the, the board table and like, fair enough. Yeah. For me, I set my board before I got investors and I kept thinking, I don't want people around the boardroom that will only care about the financial outcome mm. because because sometimes, especially what we're doing when it comes to impact and sustainability and research and development and buying our own equipment, all that kind of stuff. Some people, like the classic finance bros, will look at that and go, that makes zero commercial sense, right? They're going to be mm-hmm. like, no, you're not investing your money in a water footprint research project. You're going to invest it in marketing to get mm-hmm. our return, etc." So yeah. for me, I was like, I don't want people that are going to think about money first. I want hustlers. I want entrepreneurs. I want women who have done this before. And I want to know that they're actually going to care about the purpose of the business. And we're playing the long game, right? We're Mm. not a cash grab business. And so I was like, who are the people? I was like, who do I want? Who do I know? I wanted mentors. I wanted people that had like lifted me up over the years. And so the four women were very much that. Fed, who is my business partner. She was the first person to give me money. She's also my aunt. I also worked with her for years at the fund. She's a partner at the fund I used to work for. So smart, sustainable, like queen. Mm. She knows everything about supply chain too. The next one, I was like Elle McPherson, who I worked with for years at Wellco. And I worked for her for a time at Wellco that they went through a lot of challenges. We were overcoming a lot of things. And I ended up having to step in unexpectedly into that secondment. And I was basically like her right hand for two years. We used to speak every day, all day, fixing, changing. She was amazing 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 Ella's a businesswoman through and through she was the first person to commercialize the supermodel facial like licensing mm. and get her name behind product endorsements but I'm like no Elle's a pioneer I want a pioneer and I thought you know what I'm gonna shoot my shot obviously she knows me so well I've worked for years mm. wonder if she'd say yes even if she doesn't no problem good opportunity like good experience right I was like it's just yeah. good for me to put myself out of my comfort zone why not ask someone and you don't ask you don't get guys because I asked and she was like love it no brainer and then I've got another woman called Kerry Lee Sinclair, who is so smart. She had her own startup, sold it to Microsoft under the age of 30. Wow. She is the chair of SBE Australia, which is like a women's accelerator course to help women learn how to raise money. And you'll laugh, Melanie Perkins, who you were t- talking about earlier, was the first person to do Springboard Australia. And they and you, and you kind of have to be like tech, life science, mm. whatever. So like I did the life science cohort and I met Kerry Lee, fell in love. She's brilliant that's and incredible. yeah got her on too I, I love that it's all women it's all women and it kind and of I just, love it was an accident and yeah. then it, it fell into that and then I was like I'm keeping it women for now because yeah how many boards are all women do you know any because no. I don't know any no how many I've... boards are all men could name a hundred yeah mm. So, Tass, the UK government recently proposed a ban on all plastic-based wipes in so England. Uh, Woolworths and Coles are completely getting rid of plastic bags. Cafes are replacing the materials their coffee cups are made from. Yeah. From what you've personally seen through running your business, what changes can we expect to see as consumers in the next five to ten years when it comes to sustainability? I love that you brought up the UK ban because do you know how much of a win that is for... Mm. The community. I saw the article Plastic. about it. Yeah. Huge win. You know, because people, a lot of people don't realize, right, there's layers to this too. Wet wipes in general 
people tend to flush them down the toilet. And what happens is they cause these things called fatbergs, which sounds like such an ugly word. But basically, I've never it, heard that it's, word. Fat, yeah, it's called fatbergs. It's basically, think of like a massive mass of wipes that kind of pull together. It blocks our lovely. sewage system. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> blocks our sewage system, right. leaches microplastics into our oceans. So our food and our fish end up consuming those microplastics, then waste water stream. It wastes a lot of water because of mm. that. It costs the government millions in remediation to be able to remove it. Like it's a nightmare. It's actually genuinely a nightmare. And in the UK, 93% of all sewage blockages were caused by wet wipes hence the recent ban. Mm. In, in Australia, it's about 75%. And while SARS put in new procedures um, and regulations in place around claiming flushability, and recently they actually put a new clause in that you've got to be able to show that your wipe disintegrates within, mm. I think it's like six to eight hours. We're sitting there going, what a You're brilliant laughing. time because ours is in minutes yeah. and now is the time for a band like ours and I genuinely believe in the next five years people will look back at some stage and think holy moly I cannot believe I was using wipes that didn't dissolve mm. I really believe mm. that it will be like when people are like I can't believe you didn't use a keep cup I can't believe you didn't bring your bag to the supermarket why would we not choose the option that is just as great for our skin if not better but also better for the planet why would yeah. you not does that worry you though like that other brands gonna come out with no not at all because here's the thing i a want to share the ip Mm. like we will end up sub licensing to other beauty i mean naturally because you're trying to because we actually care right so if you like i can't sit here and tell you i care so much about the planet i'm doing everything i can from a product development and innovation side to make it better and then not share ip Mm. that would not actually be having the best impact on the planet Mm. so that doesn't feel ethical to me so i feel like we always pride ourselves on ethical choices but no i think if anyone's coming out with innovation and sustainable solutions to replacing plastics or waste in general brilliant Mm. like it's amazing it uplifts the whole community it uplifts the whole category in beauty so i get excited by innovation yeah and it's really good timing for the uk because we're literally launching in the uk in a couple of weeks oh exciting yeah is can you give us any yeah i can tell you i can tell you so we softly like seed launched with cult beauty end of last year that's wow who if you don't know they're like adore beauty yeah the uk right yeah we're now launching in all space and k doors in when is it july 18th so that's like the very soon yeah we're very excited that is so exciting we're very excited so we've learned a lot about the amazing people you've met along the way and the products you're creating and they're making such a difference but what about your business or brand keeps you up at night the financial side of business is the most stressful side managing cash flow is really challenging in making sure that you're spending your money really carefully all of that kind of stuff weighs on me because i don't just think about you know okay yep we we need to make sure we've got enough cash flow to sustain the business i'm like i've taken on so much responsibility right i've taken on five investors i've got four board members i've got four extra team outside of me everybody's counting on me that we're going to make it happen right i'm that my investors are going to get a return that my board's going to be really proud of me that my team are going to be lifted up and so there's not one part of my day where that does not weigh on me Mm. and then I don't think about it and that has stress the amount of times I've woken up in the middle of the night stressed about money or paying for something or worrying about something countless yeah countless without funds there's no business exactly but it's the side of business that I hate I find that side of business exhausting Mm. I find it draining I find that not enough people talk about that side of business and everybody just talks about the successes and did you see this brand blow up on TikTok and this and that and the excitement and the marketing and this and that and I'm like well what about the 10,000 problems yeah that we're all problem solving every day in the unglamorous side of business Mm. Tass we'd love to know what is your favorite brand to work watch right now or like follow and who is doing business right i love 
like so many cool businesses. Like I love Pangaea. Mm. I love what they're doing. They just got into David Jones. So cool. I love them because I feel like they focus on innovation. They're not just selling tracksuits, right? They're not just trying to pump, you know, the next product yeah. out of nothing. And so for me, I love businesses that are rooted in innovation. There's this other oral care brand in the UK that have made a home compostable electric toothbrush. Ooh. It's called Sumi, S-U-M-I. Wow. So cool, so innovative, so needed. What's their brand message? Their whole thing is like oral care done for the planet mm. and biomaterials. I've definitely never heard of a compostable did you say electric? electric. That is insane. Never heard of it. Doesn't well, never. It clearly didn't exist, but then they made it exist. Yeah. So I love people like that. They're really creating like innovation. I'm really into innovation. Yeah, you can tell. Because I feel like if you actually asked me how to describe conserving beauty, I would probably say we're a really cool innovation beauty brand mm. who are rooted in impact. Tass, we've reached the end of the episode. Devastation. We've loved speaking to you and hearing. I feel like we've been here for two hours, and I feel like we'll stay for another five. I, I want to. I, I, I really want to hear more. I actually love the way the lessons you grew up with mm. and having to get your job and learn on the side when everyone else is playing outside. I know, I've never told anyone that the, the homework books before. You're the first one I've told. And finally, where can our listeners find you online? Ooh, conservingbeauty.com. Yeah. We ship globally. If you're in Australia, you can find us at Mecca in store and online. Wow. We're in most stores, not all stores. Uh, if you're in the UK or anywhere else in Europe, you can shop us at cultbeauty.com. And in a couple of weeks, you can buy us at Space and K. And then my at- Instagram handle is just my name. Yeah, cool. There's nothing exciting there, guys. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, Tass, thank you so much for jumping on the pod today. Thank you for having We've me. Loved chatting to you and hearing more about your story. I think, like, obviously from the outside, you can see that your brand's doing a lot. But like, when we really get mm-hmm. to sit down with you and chat out your journey it's like there's so much value in your story so thank, thank you, you so much i feel like you're too kind and i feel like likewise i want to sit here and gush about you but you'll probably be like we've tried to end this podcast no seven don't times. worry please don't. we're just gonna gush about each other <laughs> once yeah, you, yeah, once yeah, you yeah, leave em and i i was just gonna be like i'm obsessed i'm, yeah. obsessed. No, I'm, I'm like obsessed i feel like i'm gonna say the same <laughs> and we'll never get off the podcast and everyone's gonna be like an hour Sorry, later i've tried to say goodbye <laughs> we have another hour to go <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yes, thank you so much. Thank and you. we'll see you in our next episode. Yay. I'll be stalking the emigrate episode. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. Please listen. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you have been listening to a Clever Media production. Clever Media acknowledges the traditional owners of the land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. We pay our deepest respects to elders past, present and emerging. Liked this episode? Let us know about it. And don't worry, we have plenty more. So hit that subscribe button and listen wherever you get your podcasts. But want to take it that little bit further from your ears to your eyes? Then go find us as Clever Women Co. on TikTok and Instagram for that extra clever content we know you'll love. Catch you next time.